For Tuesday, the 16th of June, I'm Randy Coure. This is What's Up the Sports Podcast on Facebook and Twitter at What's Up Podcast. Thanks for the download. And of course, a shout out to the Abatsi Project as he welcomes you every episode with his solid track, Oh What a Night. So where were you on this day, June 16th, 2019? On this date of publication, one year ago, the City of Toronto held one of its largest public gatherings in this country's history with the championship parade of the Toronto Raptors, who of course defeated the Golden State Warriors winning the NBA championship. Really hoped I can present a special edition of this one-year anniversary, and I believe I did just that with the help of City TV's Tammy Sutherland, who was beyond gracious agreeing to speak with me. Amongst Tammy's responsibilities in covering the parade that day and her thoughts of the Raptors winning its first championship, we also got a chance to talk how her function as a news reporter has changed during the COVID-19 pandemic and discuss today's social climate, the incredible movement currently taking place in the fight for racial equality, that and so much more. Hope you enjoyed today's edition of What's Up the Sports Podcast. As always, thank you for tuning in. Enjoy! So believe it or not, we are three days removed from the one-year anniversary of the Toronto Raptors winning the NBA championship. Uh, Thinking about that incredible moment, the Kawhi Leonard experience, and everything involved, uh, it does feel like it's been a lot longer than a year, to me at least. Uh, 2020 has been one challenging year for a lot of people, but on this episode, we're going to take a look at what took place in 2019, everything good about the Toronto Raptors. And uh, exactly one year ago today, the Raptors Championship Parade took place. It is a real treat to introduce today's guest. Tammy Sutherland is a very familiar name with Toronto Broadcasting with a very accomplished career, having spent the last decade plus at City News Toronto, particularly on their morning show, Breakfast Television. As we learn of Tammy's experiences during the 2019 playoffs and uh, and personally as well, she was reporting live from Nathan Phillips Square during that championship parade. It is an absolute thrill to welcome Tammy Sutherland on What's Up the Sports podcast. Tammy, thank you so much. How are you? Hey, no problem. I am doing uh, as well as can be, for sure. I, You know, you say that it feels a lot longer. You, I, I agree, but at the same time, I think, wow, it was a year ago today that 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 craziness that parade went down i can't believe it yeah absolutely and uh you know we're definitely going to talk about uh the parade and you know you, you kind of took uh my first question in fact did it feel like a year and most ways it doesn't but in some ways it does but and it was uh, definitely such a special time so we'll be discussing uh, a wide range of topics with tammy uh, from a personal level as a fan and uh professionally as well but Tammy, I'd uh, be remiss if I didn't ask what your working days have been like uh, since the pandemic started in Toronto. Um, We've seen certain measures uh, on the news that have been implemented for reporters. uh, But in your own words, uh, how has your job changed since COVID-19 became a global pandemic? Uh, It's changed dramatically. So I am the field reporter 
uh, out for BT in the morning. So I'm known as out there at the scenes, where you know wherever there's breaking news, uh, and and getting the news right from the you know from the source directly. And so I'm so used to being out on the road every day in a different place in a different city, uh, you know, in the truck with my cameraman, and uh, you know, there we go. And none of that. It's just so strange. So everything turned around in mid-March, and I uh, stayed home. So what I've been doing instead is I don't leave the house pretty much. I will be Skyping in, and what I do is I'll, you know, record an interview, a remote interview with someone the day before, and the next morning on BT, I'll present that in the news, but I'm just sitting in front of my television set with a BT logo on it, pretty much, and using my laptop to Skype in. And so it's, it is one of those, like, business on the top, party on the bottom. Right. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Um, where uh, I'm in a blazer, but I, I my commute is just uh, three, four steps away from my bedroom. So sure. that's about it. Like, it's, so it's dramatically changed. I haven't seen uh, any of the people that I normally would interact with, and I miss that. I'm, I really do miss uh, those people, friends that I work with, my colleagues, but also miss just being out and talking to people and getting the story directly. And I can imagine that's pretty much 50% of uh, the actual experience as being a field reporter. Uh, first of all, you're covering a story, story but you're out there. And uh, it must be so much more challenging to bring that similar element from your living room. Yeah, absolutely. Especially if you're trying to chase a story that no one else has really done or chase a different angle that someone hasn't done. And and typically, you would go to the source. You'd be at that, let's say, you know, once COVID, you'd be at that nursing home trying to get um, as much information as you can from people who may or may not be going in and out of the uh, in and out of the facility. And and you would be surprised by the people you meet and the people that you speak to and what you can get from being there. So it's so different when I'm sitting at my kitchen table trying to start this story thinking, okay, where do I even begin when I can't get out there? Uh, so it, it, it's been different. And the other thing, too, is I'm, I'm pregnant. I'm almost, I'm almost eight months pregnant now, and I, uh, you know, it's just, it's been strange being at home, and uh, it's been good, I guess, in certain ways where it's convenient. Bathroom's really close by. <laughs> you know, eat whatever I want when I want, that kind of thing, but I... I do miss definitely being out there and like getting the story directly from the scene and from the source. Yeah, no, and, and uh, uh, congratulations to you and your husband. You must, uh, you must be. This is your first. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. it is. Oh, that's wonderful. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, with that said, uh, you know, it's just been such an incredible three months. Uh, if we're not talking about coronavirus, we're talking about. Uh, protesting about coronavirus and of course recently uh, the death of George Floyd uh, you know in the meantime uh, journalists such as yourself have to report on these emotional stories uh, as a reporter you know maybe even going through school uh, did you ever think that the world could get so heavy uh, during uh, the last couple of months no I, I can say that for sure. 2020, like you had mentioned in the beginning, is um, quite the year. There are good spots uh, that we have had personally 
but in the world in general, globally, it's just been a, a disaster. And when you think about COVID, first off, I thought, man, I'm living in history. I never thought I'd be living within, like, history actually in the making when the entire world has been shut down by this virus. And then George Floyd comes. And to me, that almost, when you think things can't get any worse, and they always can. And uh, the George Floyd uh, uh, death, that killing, is uh, a murder that we all saw on video. And Mm -hmm. I am very emotional, uh, definitely, uh, because watching that, was a life changer. Like, I'll never forget that. I'll never, ever burn that out of my brain, out of my memory. And I'm glad that I won't because it has sparked uh, a a, a resurgence in a movement that we unfortunately have had to do in cycles over the last few decades where all of a sudden there are a few incidents where uh, we now want to say Black Lives Matter, you know, we, we are marching and protesting against anti-black racism and systemic racism, but they usually fade away. And I am just praying, um, personally and as a reporter, that this movement, I feel like it's different in a way. I really do. I feel like it's stronger. Uh, but I still am skeptical on one end, thinking that it might fade away with the news cycle and... I'm going to do my best as a black journalist to make sure that it does not and that there actually is real change uh, coming out of this absolutely tragic, disgusting murder that we've seen taking place. On. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, so beautifully put, you know, you think of uh, instances that did uh, uh, take place, uh, you know, with, when it comes to Trayvon Martin, when it comes to Rodney King. And ironically enough, uh, my family and I, we were actually in Los Angeles when the verdict was read in 1992 of the Rodney King trial. Uh, and, you know, as a 12 year old kid, uh, we, it really didn't affect our, uh, vacation that much because we went, uh, Disney, Disneyland was still open. Universal studios were still open, but, uh, you think of those instances as well. And that, you know, from 1992 and obviously the decades before, up to Colin Kaepernick that, you know, there hasn't been much of a, uh, uh, of a shift of a change. And then you think of, uh, George Floyd and, you know, as you were saying, like, as there has been this movement, is it sustainable? And I guess that, uh, that does remain to be seen. Um, I, I, I and I guess, uh, what, uh, the really moving part was, is that it has grown to the entire world. Uh, you know, I, wasn't uh, thinking about uh, asking you about this, but are you surprised uh, how protests have really taken place at all corners um, uh, after the George Floyd uh, Joy, George Floyd uh, uh, death? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it was every day I'd see a new protest pop up in New Zealand, a protest pop up in South Korea, uh, all these parts of the world where. There may not be a high black population, but people are still coming together to say the same thing and to recognize that anti-black racism exists in every corner of the world. And I am floored by that. 
And that's what brings my hopes up, uh, you know, to say that this may be the time. But at the same time, I just think about the Rodney King, you know, verdict. And I think about Trayvon Martin, Michael Brown, and so on, where we've gone through this before, and then everything just goes back to status quo. And I just am praying that the fact that this has gone global, actually global, people are painting George Floyd's picture and spray painting it on walls um, in Vietnam, <laughs> that sure. that this is making a difference, that this is making the change. And so, I mean, with that said, I, and I, I think it goes without saying that, uh, I mean, in terms of uh, this pandemic uh, being far from over, uh, and, you know, who knows uh, what the future is going to hold. But I could only imagine that during this time that uh, this movement of George Floyd is something that you and uh, millions, dare I say billions, are probably going to remember for the rest of their lives. Absolutely. I'll never forget, again, like I said, that moment, um, that video and those images will forever be burned in my memory. Forever, forever, forever. Um, how cold-blooded and just how um, one man's life was treated as if it did not matter, as if you didn't have family or friends or a daughter, as, you know, he could just be wiped off the face of the earth on camera and no one would care and there would be no repercussions. I'll never, ever forget that feeling, that emotion, and the feelings that I've been having over the last few weeks. Um, of course, when dealing with this new discussion that's popped up, and uh, at least popped up for the rest of the world. We've been talking about it forever. But um, I, I do hope that this incident will, this murder, will be something that is forged in everyone's mind so that we don't forget. And that's when the changes are made, I hope. I'm really hoping, Randy, crossing <laughs> fingers, we'll see how it goes. But, um, you know, the, the entire three months, as you had mentioned, Everything that's going on is uh, like history is being written right now, and we're all a part of it. We've all experienced it. It's so strange. And uh, you know, I could uh, I could genuinely say that with the uh, platform and the uh, notable causes that you take part in uh, throughout the community uh, here in Toronto, I can imagine that once uh, things get back to normal and um, businesses and venues are uh, going to uh, reopen again. I can imagine the uh, kind of uh, position uh, and uh, initiatives that could take place uh, due to this very uh, such uh, tragic circumstances uh, with uh, regards to George Floyd. But uh, so, uh, Tammy, if we can, I, I'd love to uh, talk about uh, about basketball and and the Raptors. And uh, so, truth be told. Uh, Back in the day uh, when I was in journalism, not only Tammy uh, and I went to Seneca at York at the same time, but we also went to high school together and even went to a Raptor game at Skydome, which is even more incredible since Tammy just celebrated her 28th birthday, uh, uh, if that's I'm not it. mistaken. That's, that's, a, that's actually right. Yeah, that, thank you. That, that's, what I, that's what I thought. And uh, so, I mean, with that said, uh, you know, from uh, those days... Uh, you know, as a as a high school student, you and I, when we were went to that uh, that ball game, I think it was against the Knicks, and Marcus Camby was on that uh, Raptor team. Um, 
did you by chance ever have professional assignments um, with the Raptors or any professional club, uh, you know, uh, whether it be uh, charitable events or uh, anything of the kind? You know what? Uh, no, there hasn't been any kind of uh, a sign. Just because I'm not a sports reporter, you know, being a right. general assignment reporter, um, we didn't really get those stories unless there was something huge that was coming out of it, like a championship. Really, <laughs> we could do, you know, we, it was all hands on deck. Everybody was taking part in everything possible to, to cover this from wall to, you know, wall to wall. And um, so I haven't had a, a professional, like, actual contract and assignment with the Raptors. But if they're listening, hey, I'm available. <laughs> and, and Tammy will uh, bring A-plus qual- a quality work, let me tell you. Uh, you know, you don't uh, have a decade-long uh, career in uh, Canada's biggest city without uh, having some skills. So let's uh, let's uh, throw that out there. So, uh, but I mean, with that said, uh, I can only imagine that uh, whether it's basketball, other sports, that uh, your appreciation has just uh, evolved. And uh, you, I assume, uh, are a, a big uh, sports fan? I am in a sense. I'm going to preface that. Basketball, I love. Okay. I don't, I, I, and I feel bad saying this, as a Canadian, because I feel like everyone's going to jump on me. I don't really watch hockey. Okay. I said it, right? (laughs) Basketball and the Raptors in particular, I love. And, you know, I'm sure you have, just like everybody else watching uh, The Last Dance uh, over the last few weeks, the Michael Jordan documentary, and watching it and all the memories of being a kid watching basketball. And, you know, like you said, Randy, we went to high school together, grew up in the same city, and all I can remember is, you know, summer vacations when we would play basketball at the community center and uh, we would, you know, pretend to be this person or that person and we, we would talk basketball as 12, 13, 14-year-olds. And th- those memories really, watching The Last Dance was awesome to me because it all just kind of came back. Well, yeah, and uh, you want, want to talk about memories. Talk about uh, when uh, they replayed uh, uh, the uh, Raptors' victory against Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls, like, again, at Skydome. And, you know, you, you think about uh, that particular game. I think about the game that uh, we went to, and it's just playing basketball at a baseball stadium and, uh, you know, just evolving into this first-class organization. I mean, yeah, sure, it was such a long time ago, but it didn't even feel like the same franchise uh, back uh, back all those years. And, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the response that uh, that run had uh, throughout the country is uh, absolutely incredible. Uh, you know, so with that said, you, uh, being a part of the morning show, obviously have a very very early start uh, to your day and uh, with you know trying to watch the playoffs I guess in games in general like how did you manage your schedule Uh, like did you watch the playoffs live Uh, you know considering you had to get up so early for work I assume that you didn't sleep much the night the Raptors actually won oh no (laughs) zero sleep then Uh, it was all about the naps Randy it was all about the naps like you got to get an afternoon nap in so that you can definitely be, you're able to stay up and start watching. And then the thing is that you 
start watching and maybe you're like, okay, I'll watch an hour. I'll watch the first half and then, you know, maybe I'll go to bed after. But you just get so riled up that you can't, you can't anymore. You can't do it. So you've got to watch the games. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, no, there wasn't a lot of sleep. And I can tell you the night of the ch- championship win, game six, it was my husband and I watching uh, on our own at home. And other nights, like weeknights, whenever there was some kind of clinching game, we absolutely would have friends over just so that we were on the ready. If <laughs> <laughs> thing were to happen in terms of us winning and there'd be a celebration, we could. We live downtown, so we're like all of our friends, could, we could all just hit the streets together. Sure. And uh, the one night, of course, game six, when they finally did win, my husband and I, like, as soon as it started, like, it, it became evident that this was happening. We, like, got on, oh, we were, you know, already wearing our Raptors gear for good luck, but, like, we started putting on shoes, like, that's it, tying up running shoes and getting ready to run outside because, it like, we could not believe this was happening. And mm-hmm. we live very close to the ACC, or to the Scotiabank Arena, I should say, and um, it was amazing we ran down we ran downstairs got in an elevator in our condo and it stopped at every single floor (laughs) because everybody was doing the exact same thing and the elevator would be packed with people i can't even believe this is happening now in covid days when you think about it that this elevator was absolutely rammed with people who were celebrating and jumping up and you know we you couldn't move really but you were just so happy and ecstatic for this win, and we all ran out, and, you know, the streets were full, we were out until, I know I was out until at least 1.30 in the morning celebrating, and by the time I got back home, I had to, I actually left my husband and our friends um, out at, uh, you know, on the celebration route, and I walked back home, because I thought, how am I going to sleep? Like, I, I, I have work in the morning. Yeah, exactly. And, exactly. Uh, yeah, so I, I wake up at 3.30 in the mornings, usually. Okay. And uh, I don't know if I, I don't think I slept. Like, I, I might have slept, like, maybe half hour, 40 minutes. I'm, I'm amazed that you even got that much. Honestly, yeah. like, you'd be on so much adrenaline. I mean, the entire city must have been, there must have been a lot of sick uh, sick days that uh, oh, that particular day. Better believe it. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, it was just so amazing. You know, I've been doing interviews uh, on unrelated uh, topics. And the fact that this brought the community together in the sense that there was one guy I uh, ran into and said that he never was really spoke much to his neighbors. But during the championships, uh, they uh, set up an outdoor projector uh, and they were watching the game on the driveway. And, you know, he uh, said point blank that he is a lot closer with his neighbors uh, particularly because of the uh, the Raptors championship run. And in terms of, like, I guess, interviews, uh, uh, interview requests, did that come, whether it be within the country, around the world? I mean, in a sporting capacity, Toronto was the epicenter. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, it did. It absolutely did. And it was more, I would say, across the country, where we would be doing, uh, you know, the live hits and the the, the uh, reporting directly from Toronto, from the epicenter, and giving that kind of flavor and that that the fact that this was all happening here out on our streets and bringing it to other centers of the country, because 
everybody was interested in this. It didn't matter where you came from in Canada. It doesn't matter whether or not, of course, other places in Canada do not have a, uh, an, an NBA team uh, anymore. And so it didn't matter. The people were just all on board, wanted to hear about this. We constantly were doing uh, live hits in the morning for all of the different stations, whether it be Montreal and Calgary and Edmonton and Vancouver. So we did bring that story right across the country. And again, just giving them that flavor of what was actually happening behind us because uh, after the championship, I can say that the next morning, it, you know, it, it still felt like the street was on fire. People were just so pumped about this win. And uh, even though it's early in the morning, you got some stragglers who are just you know, getting home and you have people who are going to work all geared up and the Raptors game. It was just fantastic. You know, uh, for a big uh, sports fan like myself, I uh, was uh, at Nathan Phillips Square during uh, Toronto FC's uh, MLS Cup win in 2017. And obviously the uh, parade wasn't as uh, as big, but uh, there was a lot, a lot of people wearing TFC gear and, uh, you know, they were just really proud to um, to wear their city's colors and uh obviously uh, the raptors uh parade definitely brought that to uh to a next level and speaking of which uh, which we did run into each other at nathan phillips square uh my wife and my friend and i uh we got there at quarter after six in the morning and i'm assuming birds. yeah yeah and uh, and obviously you and uh and roger peterson uh, and your crew you guys must have been there uh, an hour or so beforehand and uh, it was really great to see you again. But, uh, I mean, there were issues regarding that day. Uh, the, uh, the, uh, the team was several hours late. Uh, a shooting took place. A baby died uh, due to a medical event. Uh, you know, as you uh, personally, a fan of this team, uh, excited on so many levels, uh, what was your mood like at the beginning of that day? And what was it like at the end of that day. I could imagine that it was so much different. Yeah, it was um, rough in the beginning. We got there at about 4.30, so we got there when it was you know, dark and early, pretty much. And people had already started to gather, and the excitement was incredible. As soon as anyone saw the camera light go on, they were all about coming to give their you know message to the Raptors and their thank yous and why they wanted to get there so early, how long they've been watching, and Watching all of that was amazing. Like watching the crowd gather and build and build and build over the course of um, several hours was incredible. And eventually, throughout the day, I was moved to a spot because Sportsnet and uh, City TV, all the Roger Sports Media um, uh, partners, they had a special, of course, for this, a live special that right. was happening. And so we had moved to the stage. We were right up at the stage, uh, my cameraman and I, and we were fenced in. So once you get in, you can't get out. And we were good. We were dancing, loved the music as we were waiting. But as the hours kept ticking by, people at that uh, front of the stage were just getting so agitated because of the fact that it was a warm day, Mm -hmm. a very warm day. Uh, and on top of it, people would bring, you know, only so much water, only so many snacks. And now they've run out after all these hours of waiting. 
there were so many people who had to be lifted over the barriers to be brought over behind the stage because they were passing out or they just they couldn't do it. They tapped out like they they couldn't wait any longer and they needed someone to get them out, like literally pluck them almost mosh pit style to bring them to the front of the stage so that the paramedics can get them. And I mean dozens of people that I personally witnessed having to be lifted um, over. And, uh, you know, time ticked by the shooting. Uh, Obviously, that was uh, just a a very unfortunate incident on a day when it should have been so, uh, we should have been so proud of our city. And then this happens in the middle of this absolutely packed crowd. So if I fast forward now to the end of the day, I left there at about um, 7 o'clock after our evening so I've been there for 12 plus hours. Yeah, that's not, that sounds like 15, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I walked home from there. By the time I left, Nathan Phillips Square had been cleared. The crowds are all gone. Just the garbage left behind and, you know, the cleanup crews. And I walked home and I, you know, personally you're thinking, okay, I'm hot. I'm hungry, I'm sunburned. I don't sunburn, but I sunburned <laughs> that day. And I walked looking down at the ground, and there was a trail of shoes, just single random shoes that were all over the place throughout my walk home. And it took me a while to realize that it was people who were running away from the shooting, from the gunfire, that uh, they're running for, away and trying not to be trampled who, uh, you know, would lose a shoe, but you got to keep going. And it just, all of that, I just remember that clicking in, because I thought, why are all these shoes here? Right. And so that moment, I mean, at the end of it, you just feel so drained and, and sad about the fact that that had to happen and that so many people were caught up in that trauma. And um, I... I, yeah, you know, it just kind of soured a day that should have been great on all ends. And uh, it was still a great day, and it was a great celebration, of course. But, yeah, the mood shifted definitely by the end of it. Yeah, and uh, I, I, I guess uh, the question is, now I, I did hear that uh, you were uh, asked to be interviewed and uh, did interview requests, uh, you know, in the... Uh, days after the uh, the shooting and uh, with regards to uh, your experience, I guess, because you were there all, all day and such. Uh, did you feel that the uh, city of Toronto, and I guess uh, looking back and uh, on uh, uh, for follow-up reporting and so on, uh, how did the city of Toronto take that day in terms of how it played out security-wise? Uh, do you feel that they uh, put in or will be putting in uh more measures and uh, more stricter guidelines in terms of when something like this could happen again? Absolutely. I think they learned from this. I don't know if they had expected the amount of people that came down. Like, I don't know if they really took into account the, the reverberations of this championship throughout the city and throughout the province and throughout the country. And the fact that people would be so drawn to this celebration a year ago today. So I, I, I think that they didn't realize that it would be so packed and did not plan for that. The barriers, you know, along Lakeshore that were then 
storm? Did it have a lot of people, of course, genuinely wanting to just connect with the players on those double-decker buses? But at the same time, you're holding it up so that the people who have been waiting at Nathan Phillips Square for so long in the hot sun are, are now, you know, uh, been there six hours later than they should be. And I think that the city next time around has, they, I think they've definitely learned from this. How could you not? And I hope, I hope they have learned. And uh, if we do have, oh, sorry, when we do have another championship. That's right, yeah. Parade, <laughs> then we will have some other measures put into place just to, uh, you know, accommodate the two million plus people who basically, honestly, the population of Toronto was mm -hmm. down there on that parade route. Sure. Everybody you know was at that parade. And uh, you could only imagine how many people were in their buildings and, uh, you know, the office towers and so on who had a, who had a view and they were, weren't really uh, doing their work. But, uh, you know, they could uh, be uh, counted into the, uh, to those who witnessed that parade. Uh, you know, if I could take you uh, before the championship and, you know, appreciating that you don't uh, have a hand in sports uh, really at all. But uh, you know, I, it has been so many years since uh, the city of Toronto experienced uh, a championship to that magnitude. With uh, respect to Toronto FC, uh, the Blue Jays had won, uh, I guess well, it was in the early 90s. Uh, but then uh, a couple years before uh, uh, the Raptors championship, uh, the Blue Jays made a pretty big dent and uh, did uh, really well in the uh, the uh, 2015 and 16 season, making it to the uh, American League Championships. Uh, as a reporter, was there any uh, excitement towards that as well? That, uh, hey, uh, the Jays could bring it back to 92 and 93, and uh, Toronto could see a team in the championship series for the first time in forever? Uh, I can imagine that it was such a small degree, but... How does that compare uh, to the Blue Jays, uh, to the Raptors? I think that because the Jays had done it before, and we actually had done it back-to-back, -back, you know, it, it was that um, memory that people held on to so that in 2015, when the team was doing so well, people had that memory and could absolutely picture another championship happening here at Rogers Centre with the Blue Jays. With the Raptors, I don't know if people really believed it until it happened. Like, it was just so, like, I don't know about you, Andy, but sitting there watching the game sometimes, you would sit there and go, I can't believe the Raptors are in, this is the championship game. Mm -hmm. Or this is, you know, game five of the championship. Or this is round two of the championship. Like, it was just, it was just surreal to see this team that was built, um, you know, uh, over two decades prior, who now has this like golden this Larry O'Brien trophy it was just incredible. But I think people, because it hadn't happened here in Toronto yet, they didn't have that memory, and it was more like yes, hoping and praying and believing in the Raptors that they could do it because of the team being so strong. However. With the Blue Jays, I think that, yeah, there was that excitement in 2015 because people remember that time in the early 90s, and so they want to be able to relive that again. 
With the Raptors, I think it was more of a, a surprise for a lot of people, especially people who didn't watch basketball in the first place and who didn't know the caliber of the team and just how well they gelled together, even after losing, you know, DeMar DeRozan in that trade and gaining Kawhi Leonard. Um, a lot of people really questioned that move for loyalty reasons, but and was it a move that? <laughs> yeah, I know for sure. And you know, you think about that, and let's say that the uh, Raptors made the final but lost, and you know, how would Masai Ujiri, uh, the general manager, be looked at? Uh, well, the president, excuse me, uh, uh, be looked at in terms of that DeMar DeRozan trade because, yeah, sure, you made the final for the first time, but uh, you didn't win. And Kawhi Leonard, of course, uh, goes to uh, the Clippers, and the Raptors were doing quite well uh, before the uh, season was halted due to uh, uh, coronavirus. And But he actually did uh, what he uh, what he wanted to do and uh, of course winning that championship and you know uh, like you said before uh, you know I can only imagine that there are going to be so many teams who may not make a championship especially in a sport like basketball where talent is uh, get contained I guess to a, a couple of teams you think of uh, Miami when they had so much talent uh, with LeBron James and Chris Bosh going there and now the Lakers are uh, uh, a powerhouse, and of course, uh, Kawhi bringing Paul George to the Clippers. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, is really, is uh, the Atlanta Hawks ever going to make uh, an NBA Finals? Uh, it remains to be seen, but, uh, you know, yeah, I couldn't agree more. The fact that uh, the Raptors actually made the Finals and that the uh, bright lights of uh, American television was here, uh, it was just uh, so, so incredible. Um but Tammy, uh, last question for me, and uh, for me personally, you know, I watch sports uh, because it's a representation of my community. You know, I, I can't support any other team other than Toronto, although I do support the Thai Cats and not the Argos. So I'll just leave that there. But uh, no, I'm kidding. I'm <laughs> about to get out. Well, you know, I'm. <laughs> I, I'm living in Milton, so I mean, I think uh, Tim oh, Hortons okay. Field is co closer than BMO, but only literally by a couple of kilometers. But uh, having said that, uh, obviously uh, Toronto has been puffing out their chest as a winning community. Uh, like I said, Toronto FC winning MLS Cup uh, uh, a couple years ago. Uh, how much are you a proponent of uh, professional sports and uh, the imprint it does leave for a community because it just seems that Toronto uh, was on such a high after that championship. For weeks after that championship. I think that sports are so important. Anyone who downplays sports, I feel like they just don't get it. Not just the sport itself, but the impact that it has on the community and on fans and the fact that like-minded fans people who support the same team can come together, uh, you know, just by seeing someone else in a jersey or in a, in a hat. And right away there's a connection. I, I'm sure you've traveled and worn your Raptors gear somewhere and someone runs up to you to say, Toronto Raptors, yes! And that connection is something that sports creates. And I, I think that it is absolutely important that you remember the impact that not only these championships when you win and bring back the trophy whether it's you know larry o'brien or the mls cup and so on but when you even just go through that run as much as 
if if for some reason we were make, going to make it to the finals and and didn't win. I just think even going through that run is something that brings people together. And I wouldn't want it any other way. I, I think about that parade. Two million people on the streets of Toronto. That has, that's unprecedented. Mm-hmm. And that's all because of sports. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you think about the night of the actual championship, uh, Game 6. It wasn't even here. It wasn't even in Toronto. And still... Toronto was absolutely packed with people who were hugging and singing together and high-fiving each other, just strangers out on the street. And for me personally, that I, I absolutely adore that. I love watching people come together like that. I can tell you quickly that I was at the game, The Shot. I was there. Okay, okay. That game. And uh, so, so you, you had... You had tickets. You were uh, you were not working, obviously. Working as a spectator. You were working as a spectator. Okay, and I could just, I mean, can you really appreciate that that it was four bounces and, uh, like, can you describe what you what you were feeling like when that shot was uh, as it was being released from Kawhi's hands? Oh my goodness! So I. Just remember thinking, okay, we're going to OT, and I hate going to OT just because my poor little heart <laughs> take it. And uh, I thought, well, we're going to OT. It's it looks like it's not it's not going to go in. And the bounce, and the bounce, and the bounce. And when it went in, I don't know if I've ever had a moment of joy. <laughs> yeah. In my life, where I, I exploded into screams and tears. And, I, you know, I brought that up because it was one of those moments where everyone around you, people you did not talk to throughout the whole game, you were just, you know, watching and cheering, and you were actually standing up on, like, chairs and tables, hugging each other and high-fiving each other, absolute strangers. It's my favorite thing to see people, strangers, come together like that. Um, so it, that's what I mean about the impact of sports. You can't, you can't replace it. No, for sure. And you know what? Uh, as a, uh, a fan of the visiting team, uh, I, recently I went to Detroit for a Raptor game, uh, went to Montreal for a TFC game. And I mean, yeah, sure, there is a lot that you have to, um, you know, watch your manners. And it's not like it's no holds barred. I mean, you know, there is a level of respect that you have to give, uh, you know, those around you. And, you know, you can't be a jerk. But there are so many uh, times and instances where, yeah, sure, uh, Toronto FC fans and Montreal Impact fans do not like each other at all. But, you know, if you could have a couple of laughs and say, hey, the best team won. And, uh, yeah, that, that's, that is what competition is about. And, uh, no, I, I mean, in terms of the, the community itself, uh, that it's uh, really been a long time. I mean, we were, of course, kids when the... The Blue Jays won their World Series. I remember what that feeling was like when Joe Carter hit the home run. Um, and even uh, just recently with uh, Toronto FC and MLS Cup, it was like, hey, that winning feeling is why we watch sports. And, uh, you know, really, uh, it really would be interesting to see how uh, this experience, uh, it, it just translates maybe to basketball being more of a uh, of uh, well, you know the participation levels for uh, kids playing uh, this game after the Raptors won the championship. 
Oh, yeah, and I think immediately after uh, the championship was brought back here, that number of kids taking part in basketball, whether it be just, you know, uh, a league in their community or just shooting, you know, hoops at a, at a, a, a you know, at a park, let's say, uh, went up dramatically, definitely. You saw a lot more kids with basketballs on your street, and I think that is the coolest thing. Absolutely. Uh, Tammy, again, I can't thank you enough for joining me today. It's uh, it's been a real uh, treat. I'm uh, I'm glad to uh, call you a friend. I'm uh, really uh, uh, thrilled for, of course, not only your success, but of course the journey that your husband uh, and yourself are going to be uh, experiencing uh, in due time. Uh, congratulations uh, uh, on the uh, your expected uh, addition to your family. And once and again, a basketball player as well. I oh, is that right? So uh, I mean, like, uh, sorry, uh, you you don't have to uh, say anything, but uh, like, they are going to represent the national team, uh, and you know, bring me bring gold to uh, to Canada. Yeah, she'll start in the Olympics, you know, and then go pro after it. Perfect, perfect. Hey, we uh, yeah. a more a more uh, Canadian talent uh, representing our, our great country in sports. That's uh, that's all we need. So, Tammy, again, uh, the pleasure was all mine. Thank you so much for joining me. Oh, no problem. Thank you so much for having me. Tammy Sutherland is a reporter and she is a member of a uh, part of the breakfast television morning show on City TV Toronto. We'll be back right after this. Hey all, Randy here and as the weather gets warmer, I hope you will take the necessary precautions as we continue with life while dealing with the coronavirus pandemic. Look, I'm not a doctor, and believe me, I am craving the days where I could spend time with all of my family and friends. All I can hope is that you and yours are keeping well, maintaining a true sense of responsibility, and hopefully we can return to our normal way of life soon. Take care. So, what do you think? I can't tell you how exciting it was to have Tammy on for everything she's accomplished, to be so open. It was a real pleasure, and I hope you enjoyed today's episode. As I said in the beginning, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at What's Up Podcast, that is with one P. And as the Abatsi Project helps put an end to this episode, I'll just say that it's always a treat to host an edition of What's Up the Sports Podcast. I'm Randy Coure. We'll talk to you next time.